expect the slap, so to speak, but experience love and forgiveness. This is all almost simultaneous, and it's by virtue of the Holy Spirit, correct? Yes. Because it seems all counterintuitive, obviously. Right, and God's ways are not our ways. Right. Our ways, and so it is counterintuitive, and so that's why people uh, run from and hide from Christ, from God, and suppress the truth, um, because they know they are not righteous. They're not, they know they're not covenant keepers. They know they're not faithful to the covenant that is understood between them and God as a human being created by Him, um, and a covenant with Adam, covenant of works. And so they, so they run. Um, and so that's the, that's the thing that eyes need to be open to. Kind of the mechanics of somebody coming to faith and believing is that they, they apprehend the mercy of God in Christ. And that frees them to say, oh, that's not a room of punishment and torture. That's a room of, of comfort, uh, of food and water and love. Uh, and, and so, then that enables them to say, okay, God, I am a sinner, and that's wrong, and I deserve your punishment. So you're not going to say that if you think that, if, if you think God doesn't see it all, and that if you admit that to him, you're just like walking in like uh, um, Raskolnikov, right? Crime and punishment walk into the, the police station and say, I killed this woman and stole her money. <laughs> you know, he knows what that's going to get him. That's going to get him imprisonment. And so you don't walk into the police station and say, I, I killed this woman and stole her money. If you know that's going to get you imprisonment. If, however, um, they, you, you're told and you believe, and it's true that they say, whoever admits this crime, we're going to give a million dollars. Then you go to the police station and say, I killed this woman and stole her money. And yeah, thanks, uh, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense to you? Uh, and so, you know, th there is value. And I, I, I never I'm, I'm not one to criticize the people like on, on, on a campus or in the city with the sandwich boards saying, you know, repent. Judgment is coming because that's true. And that's okay for people to hear that. Uh, but, but for repentance to happen, then the next step needs to happen too. Uh, that, that, yeah, that guy's right. But here's the good news. If you turn to God, there's mercy from God in Christ that comes to you. Yeah. So this, this idea then pretty much eliminates any argument for rational or logical salvation, the idea that a human can comprehend and then <coughs> rationally or logically reason out that salvation, achieve salvation. Right. That the mercy of God is not logical right. because everything else in our lives and um, uh, the, the, in, the inbuilt from God's sense of justice says my sins deserve eternal punishment. And so that's why Romans 1, we suppress the truth that I'm a sinner and that judgment is coming to me and I deserve it. We suppress that truth because we have no solution. And we want to push that out of our minds and our hearts because that makes us nervous and neurotic. And so that's what people do. They suppress the truth 
because they're not righteous, because they're not faithful to the covenant. Um, but once they understand, um, as Paul turns the corner in Romans 2 and says that, that there's patience, tolerance, and kindness in God, they can come to repentance. Yeah, Christina. So non-believers, that's why they're so angry. Isn't it? Yeah. It's counter-accusation. You think I'm that bad? Well, you're worse. <laughs> That's what it is. How could God let this go on in the in the world? You know, I mean, it's, it's counter-accusation. It's it's um, uh, blame deflection. Um, it is getting the spotlight off of me and faulting God there, and then saying, "No, I'm not sure he even exists anyway." You know, if, if God doesn't exist, see, if you don't have the gospel, if God doesn't exist. That's good news for you because then you don't have judgment coming to you. Yeah, so it's, it's a very motivated agnosticism or atheism, even though in their hearts they believe, they know. Yeah. And just by way of clarification, a lot of times atheists use what's called God's ability to go into the, the police station as evidence that you can be moral as an atheist, but in fact, Dostoevsky was saying that it was only through God's grace and changing his soul that allowed him to do that. Yeah. So Dostoevsky, who wrote Crime and Punishment, was a believer. And uh, he, you know, if, if you read the end of Crime and Punishment, you know, you, see, you read about Raskolnikov, the main character who's um, killed. He, he was robbing a woman uh, and she came in and then he hit her over the head, what, with like a blunt end of an axe? And she dies. And so then he's... A, he's a murderer and a, a, a thief, and he's gotten away with it, um, but his guilt overcomes him so much that he goes to the police station. Yeah. So thank you, those of you who are younger. You don't even have to read Cliff Notes. Right, yeah. Um, and, and part of part of what Dostoevsky is doing there is talking about the inbuilt, um, as God says in Scripture, the law of God is written on our hearts. And that's not just true for believers. That's true. Paul says this in Romans 2, um, that the Jews have the law written for them in the law of Moses. And it's very specific. And so they're guilty before God because they're not obeying it. You know, part of the law of Moses is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Part of the law of Moses is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was just quoting Moses. Um, and Moses was quoting Jesus <laughs> as you go back back in history there. Um, but, uh, 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 but Gentiles, Paul argues then, but they're guilty as well because they have the law of God written on their hearts. And they're transgressing that. And that's a less specific that we're born knowing that I need to love God with all my heart. I, I owe everything to him. I'm a created being in the universe. I did not bring about my own creation. My mom and dad didn't bring about their own creation. Everything owes to God. Things are bigger than human ability. And things are more complex than can be uh, randomly come to things fall apart. They don't come together um, naturally in in, in, this, in the world. Um, but um, uh, so the non-believer um, has that law of God written in his heart. There is God. 
Um, judgment is coming. I need to love God and love neighbor. Those are the basic things every human being has written in their heart. Um, and so the not the, the Gentile, one born without the law, or today the person outside the church, um, they they know they're guilty of judgment there, high Sierra. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so. Uh, so if there were, if there's two unbelievers and one is, has grown up in the church and has heard all the, like, preaching mm -hmm. of the law. Yeah. Um, and one has been in an atheist home or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the technicalities of God's standards are yeah. less punished on the person who doesn't, doesn't know better. Right. And so those two people, to, so today, as we look at, at Paul, and he was talking about those who know the law, those are Jewish people. Okay. Um, those today who know the law would be Jewish people and those who have grown up in the church. And the Gentiles of today are whoever's not grown up in either. Um, and, and that, um, uh, as Jesus uh, said, and, and as we see taught in the rest of Scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. God is fair. So someone who's grown up in the church, hearing that salvation is possible through faith in Jesus, who doesn't come to faith in Jesus, they're more liable and their punishment will be greater if they don't come to faith in Jesus than the uh, person on the island who's never heard the name of Jesus before. They have minimal opportunity but, as yeah. opposed to Yeah, but, but the person on the island also knows he's... He's got the law of God written on his heart, and he needs to do something about that. Yeah. But if God has blinded the eyes of the Jews, some of them, not Paul, not Peter, not the disciples, right? Well, I thought that was after the fact, that until the end time of the Gentiles comes to an end or whatever, but that, yeah. that they have been actually blinded to the truth. Yeah, that, uh, that's Jews have come to faith all through the centuries. Uh, and so everybody is blind, uh, you know, from Second Corinthians uh, 4, that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers, whether they're Jewish or, or not, not Jewish. Um, and God's um, uh, working, working out of history in getting the gospel to the Gentiles. He, uh, they're just a limited number of people who are Isaacs instead of Ishmaels. So it's uh, not like they can say, oh, you're just picking on us. Right. Yeah. Every, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're blind, you're blind. Yeah, that's right. And so all the, all the elect, whether Jewish or Gentile, will come, will come to faith. But in, as we look at the book of Acts, the thing that gets the gospel to the Gentiles is the Jewish rejection by and large. And so as Paul goes to synagogue after synagogue through the book of Acts, what he sees is a small group of people believe. Uh, and I, I forget whether it's it's maybe in Athens, but I'm, I'm not sure. I, th I think it's in Athens. Some say, we'll hear from you again. And others go meet in a secret group and, and, and decide how they're going to kill Paul. <laughs> so that's the threefold response of the Jews. Um, there during the first century and, and we see it kind of as the gospel comes in time you know as the years progress and paul gets to and the other you know the apostles get to new synagogues they do go to the synagogue first and there's like a, a, a smaller group that believes and then the larger group 
throws a riot and, and Paul has to sneak out of town against his will at the will of the other believers who say, Paul, get out of here. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim. Yeah, I mean, different levels, but the ultimate punishment of final judgment is the same for non-believers, regardless, right? Um, or is it going to be hotter for some and not as hot for others? Hotter for some and not as hot for others. And so the um, so a couple of things in that. In terms of conduct, God is fair and just. And so those who have done more harm to more people and have spurned God more in their hearts during their lives will have worse punishment because God is fair. He's just. You don't punish someone who's killed four people the same as you punish someone who uh, let his parking meter go expired. Right? That would be unjust. Okay? So if you've heard in the church that all punishment is the same, you've heard wrong. That's false teaching. Okay, scripture does not, Jesus said better for him to have never been born. Better, that's a comparative adjective. Better for him not to have been born than for him to have misled these little ones and kept them out of the kingdom. And so there's this better and worse and greater. You know, so the rewards and punishments are different and that's because God is is just. And then, so that's in terms of conduct. Then in terms of belief, those who haven't believed, who have grown up and been in the church, and they still haven't come to uh, repentance and, and salvation, um, their punishment will be worse because they had more opportunity. As Jesus said, I think it's Luke 12, 24, to much, to, and it's repeated, uh, maybe it's Matthew 23, 12, it's, it's repeated uh, that uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, so him, uh, Jesus said, the, the servant who knew his master's will and did not do it will be beaten with many lashes. Um, but but he who did not know his master's will, will uh, his punishment will be less. Okay, so someone who's grown up outside the church in a, in a one of the Muslim countries that doesn't allow Christianity or evangelism, that person who doesn't believe in Jesus will be punished less for his lack of faith in Jesus since he's had less opportunity. Nonetheless, he has transgressed the law of God um, and uh, his creator has given him every breath and every heartbeat and he hasn't sought God um, as he should. Um, and everyone's responsible for, I mean, that's why we're created, to give glory to God, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we haven't, we don't. Um, so, uh, uh, um, and then we get into, you know, realities of missions where people on desolate islands, God gets the gospel to them. And we hear that they had, even before the gospel got to them, they had some sense that there is a God, I'm in trouble, and I need help. And lo and behold, God gets a missionary to their island. So there's no such thing as the elect person who doesn't hear the gospel and believes. And there's no such uh, thing, you know, kind of vice, vice versa to that, I guess, or, um, that, yeah. So some questions here. I'm going to go with Steve here first, cause he's, he's, uh, so the, still working out. So we always look at Hitler as like, he's going to receive the worst kind of punishment. And yet my question would be is a politician 
who has grown up in a church that believes that abortion is murder yeah. and yet voted to allow abortion. Right, like Warnock or whatever in Georgia. You know, he's a pastor and he's promoting abortion. So would he be yeah. guilty of, I mean, more murder I yes. mean, than Hitler was? Um, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't draw that. I mean, Hitler does come from Lutheran Germany. So he grew up in the church hearing that. I mean, hearing um, the image of God on each person and uh, had the systematic murder of Jews um, who bore God's image. Uh, and so he's certainly uh, among, the, among the tops, him and Stalin and Mao, you know, are responsible for the deaths of you know, millions, literally millions of people at their order. Um, they are certainly at the top of punishment. You know, ultimate disrespect of God other than shaking your fist at him and saying, I don't believe, is murdering a person who bears God's image. I mean, that's why we don't hate people. Um, James says, James 3.9, is, is because people are, are bear God's likeness. Um, and so, you know, certainly somebody who, um, you know, someone who's grown up in, in uh, radical feminism, atheism, outside the church, both their parents were that. And they've grown up in that and they go to Congress and they vote for abortion and that kind of thing, they are less, they will, uh, they have less liability than somebody who's grown up in the church or, you know, or like Biden growing up in the, the Catholic church who has, you know, the, the Catholic church itself, you know, not taking away communion from him um, because he's supporting abortion. So he knows the church's viewpoint on that uh, and he's, we'll talk about today, he sold his soul um, to power or whatever's going on, you know, in, in his soul. Um, all that said, we don't hate anybody. And, you know, we, uh, the scripture says we're to pray for our leaders in government and uh, pray for their salvation. Um, that could be, that could be us. You know, wealth and power is very... Uh, pulls on our, our on our souls, um, so and them for they know not what they do, rather than uh, I hate you because you're doing it. Yeah, that that's our spirit in that. Yeah, Randy. But you can not like that. You can not like that. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible doesn't define like. The word like, it doesn't. Um, uh, but, but we do, it's, it's okay to be against things that are wrong. It's okay to be against people who are promoting what's wrong. At the same time, we don't despise them as a human being or, uh, we don't hate. Yeah. We don't hate them. We don't like what they're doing. And so it would be the case that if somebody who is promoting the wrong things, whether they're um, in, uh, um, over a, a, a pornography business or they are um, in uh, human sex slave tra trafficking and making money from that or promoting abortion, whatever it is, if that person, um, God brings them to faith, we rejoice. And we don't continue to shake our fists at them and say, oh, 
but you did all this and you know that, that kind of thing yeah uh, and so we see paul and the response of like ananias in damascus and i says ananias is the one who's told paul is the saul of tarsus is coming to your city and you're to uh, put your lay your hands upon him uh, so that he'll have his sight back because Paul was blinded on the road. And, and Ananias says, Saul of Tarsus, he's been he's been killing us and putting us in prison. Are you sure? And the Lord says, Yes, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. But I've chosen him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Ananias and the church in Damascus. And then later, Paul goes to Jerusalem, and the church in Jerusalem is afraid of him too. And he has to have Barnabas stand up for him before the apostles and say, no, I, I vouch for this guy. Um, he's, been he's been proclaiming, he was saved, and he's been he was proclaiming the gospel in Damascus before he left here. You should receive him, and so the apostles do. And so they have to get over the fact that the last time Saul of Tarsus was in town, he was stoning Stephen, one of the first seven deacons. Um, and so we, we forgive the person. We have, we have compassion and patience toward the person, yet we can be against what they stand for and what they're promoting. And we can fight against what they're promoting. And we can try to subvert their arguments, um, yet treating them with, with um, respect as someone who bears the image of God. Yeah, good question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to Jesus' second coming. But good, good questions there, and some things. You know, just it's good to get uh, tightened up on what Scripture teaches on on these kind of things. You know, and, and it's it's okay to say. You know, no, I don't support, you know, if you're living in Georgia, I support Herschel Walker um, instead of, what's the guy's name? Was it Warnock? Warnock. Raphael? Yeah, Warnock, who is a, 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 an ordained pastor who is promoting and voting for uh, abortion. Um, and, you know, I, I, I didn't follow that race closely. It was for Senate. They were, these guys were going for Senate. But I did see a clip of Herschel saying, you should be baptizing babies instead of killing them. Herschel also paid for abortion. Yeah, and, and so, but it's not his position now. And so we don't, we don't hold him to his Saul of Tarsus activities. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Because you start descending right into the abyss when you start categorizing. Yeah. yeah. Whether you feel it or not, you're commanded to love everybody. Regardless. Yeah. And it's very, it's very easy, yeah, to take that in the wrong way. So, um, and so it's, yeah, well said. Okay, so Jesus' second coming. Um, so we've talked about the. <laughs> In terms of God's events, what is the second coming? The next thing. The next thing. Okay, it's the next thing. And so as God's dealing with time, 
and God deals with, with time, he, he's really dealing with events. So there's creation, um, there's, there's the flood, um, there's the going into Egypt, slavery, there's the exodus from Egypt, there's the obtaining the promised land and, and the giving of a king in David. Uh, there's the coming of, of Jesus, the final Davidic king, the final son of David, who is the solution to God's people's uh, being uh, free and forgiven and all those things. And so the next thing, the next event that needs to happen after the all the Jesus stuff, it is incarnation with his incarnation, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension and seating on high. So that's, we can kind of group that all in one event. The only event that needs to happen now is his return. And so Jesus said, no, you know, there will be uh, no signs of that to tip you off. It's about to come, but you can know that's the next event. And for the first century, you know, if here's all the Jesus stuff here, uh, for the first century, you know, they knew Jesus told them, keep watch. For you know not the time. And don't try to wiggle the time out of me because only the Father knows that. Um, uh, but it could be at any time. So just what's your behavior supposed to be, be as you're keeping watch? Just ready. And what are you doing? Your Father's will. Your Father's will. Until, and so when, he, when I come again, just always be doing your Father's will. And then when I come again, I'll find you doing my Father's will. So that may be right here in the first century. And so we see that as the first century expectation. Uh, the Thessalonians and first, Thessalon first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians are very, um, very uh, concerned about this second coming of Christ. Um, they've had people die in their church. Faith, faithful people have died. And they're like, what about them? Um, and, and Paul says, well, they're with the Lord now. But when Jesus comes back, they will be resurrected. Their bodies will be resurrected first. And then we who are still alive will follow them and meet Jesus in the air as he's descending. Um, and so this is, um, this is the expectation of the first century church. The Thessalonians had it. You see it in Corinthians as well. Jesus uh, talked about this. Just be ready. I'm coming back. Um, and uh, and so the New Testament writers call their time in the first century uh, the beginning of what? The end times, the last things, or as John says in First John four, this is the last hour. And he's speaking of the era. This is the last hour. Nothing needs to happen. Since Jesus is on his throne, nothing needs to happen in world events. This is the last hour. And John, see, John's writing, First John, he's writing after the temple destruction. So that's, so, so, you know, first, first, second, and third John, those are probably around 85. Okay, Gospel John, probably around 90. And Revelation, around 95. Okay, so those are the last books of the New Testament. So when John writes in A.D. 95, he knows that Jesus predicted he was there at the Mount of Olives when Jesus said, not one stone of this temple will be left upon another. And he heard Jesus warnings of signs. If you see these things and you're in Judea, get out. 
Okay, because those will be really hard times for God's people um, during what comes to be known as the Jewish War from A.D. 66 to really concludes around A.D. 71. But the, the culminating event of that was really the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. So John in 1 John's writing in A.D. 85, 15 years later, and says, you know, this is the last hour. You're not even do we have to consider... Wells, temple destruction, is that something that's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Now we know that's something that happened before Jesus comes back, because it's happened. It was 15 years ago. And so we're just in the last hour. You know, it could be any time, any minute. We, we don't know. Okay? So, yeah, Steve. I'm sorry. I, tell me if I have this right. So, when Jesus is coming back, that's when rapture is occurring. And so the dead in Christ and those who are living that are in Christ are actually being transformed into perfection as he's coming back. Is, is that what That's right. And I just wouldn't use the word rapture uh, yeah, yeah, I, because that's not a word in the Bible and it's just associated with dispensationalism. But I under what, what the substance of what you're saying is true. But so you're saying we're, we're re resurrected, yes. As he's coming down. That's right, and that's and that's First Thessalonians four. In the air, we will be in our perfected bodies. That's right. So that when he is on earth, all of his elect will be with him in their perfect perfected bodies. Correct. That's wow. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we so what Paul says to us in in First Thessalonians four, and then at the at the front of five is that we will meet him in the air. So as he's descending. We ascend, meet him in the air, and uh, final judgment will happen for all people. Um, uh, so John um, 5, uh, 28, um, that uh, all, the, all, all, those, uh, all the dead will hear, will hear the voice of the Son of God and will appear before him. And so final judgment appear, uh, occurs for all people in their resurrected bodies, and they give a, an account for what they've done in their body, in their bodies. <laughs> see, so you just see kind of the, the justice of that. You know, the, the person is standing, and so there's the resurrection of the just and the unjust. Okay, so both are all the dead. Uh, you can see John 5.28 for this. You can see Revelation 20 for this. All the dead are resurrected in body and they appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things that they've done in the body, the things they've said in the body, they've thought in the body. And so it's when they are judged for, you know, if you strangled somebody and killed them, you know, they would literally, they will literally be with those hands that strangled the person. Okay, and so there's just a sense of completeness and justice in that—that that a person is is before Christ uh, in the body where in which he committed the crimes. Okay, uh, but that's but that's right. Yeah. Final judgment. Yeah, Randy. And we will then know him as Steve Schwarzenegger. Yes, that's right. His glor Steve and his glorified body, Schwarzenegger. Yes. 
I'm reading his autobiography right now, Total Recall. <laughs> yes, it's good. Yes, uh, uh, Larissa, I asked for it, and Larissa and Alex got it for me for my birthday. Um, but yeah, um, so good, good question there. So Jesus' second coming is the next, the next thing to happen. And so here's, here's our question here. Uh, let's start with Joyce in the back. Can you read our question, our first bullet here? Okay, so we've just been talking about some of them here, so don't don't feel shy about repeating those. What are some things we know about what will happen? What are all the things that will happen when Jesus comes again? Judgment by the books and the book of life. Okay, so final judgment. Judgment by the books and the book of life. So in the books is what? All the deeds and thoughts and actions or words that people have done. All thoughts, actions, deeds, actions, all that of what people have done, people will be judged by. So it won't be imaginary crimes or it won't be well you were always doing this it'll be it'll be okay this we recorded this when you did it and so just punishment according to to each thing or judgment will be for believers to hear their names read from the the lamb's book of life and to have their good deeds rewarded okay so we get the the uh the bad deeds from the the books expunged um, uh, but the good deeds recorded, even though they were imperfect good deeds, the good the goodness of that will be rewarded, and uh, by deed and by the motive that went along with that. So if it was a good deed, but the motive wasn't great, we still get rewarded for that part that was good. We actually did the good thing. If the motive was really good, you know, we suffered to do the right thing, then that's a lot of reward. If it also worked out to our benefit to do the right thing, but we cared about the person too. That's a little bit less reward, but it's still more reward than if we're like, I hate you, but here. <laughs> Where we do the right thing with the, the wrong attitude. Okay, so ju final judgment. That's one thing that happens with the second coming. Uh, what other things? Resurrection of the dead. All the dead will hear his voice, John 5, 28. All the dead will hear his voice, and, and uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds they've done in the body, whether good or bad. Okay? So that, well, doesn't imply it. It's just explicit then that Jesus has the ability to speak to those in hell then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That must be very tormenting. Yeah. As much as they know, you know, what's coming. Yeah. Yeah, Charlene. This is really something not important, but I get hung up on the whole time frame of being judged. Yeah. Like, you know, I have this picture in my mind of like long lines. How long is that going to take? Yeah, really. I mean, for one person, you know, exactly. it, if, if every sin has gone through, okay, you did this at this time, and here are all the circumstances around it, you know, that's a long time. And so that's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and, and God is infinite, and yeah, is he you know, punishing? I is I, I don't know how long that's going to take. Yeah, well, but then in another part of my brain says, you know, in the twinkling of the, the eye, you know, God's going to resurrect the dead, bring the, you know, those that are still alive there, yeah. create new heavens and earths and, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe it's just me 
not, I, you know, I feel like I'm waiting in line to hear what he thought was good and what he, you know, that, you know, yeah. he thought that that was a good mode of Pacing back and forth, looking yeah, at your yeah, watch. Well, and the other thing too is I won't have the same mind that I have now. Yeah. So my whole approach to all these things, but it, it, it's just like the saints around the throne crying out, I feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's, it's one of us. So Revelation 6, dead souls, those who've died before us in Christ are around the throne and they're saying, how long, O Lord, till you avenge our blood? All the things that were done to me on earth, we know you're a just God. How long until I receive justice for the things that were done that harmed me? And they're still waiting. They were waiting in AD 95 when John saw the vision of the dead souls in heaven around Jesus. And they're still waiting for that. Yeah, that's what yeah, Charlene's talking about. And I feel like, you know, I'm one of the people they were waiting for. <laughs> and, and, you know, the last elect, yeah. that, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, our, our want, uh, you know, we drag our feet on, mm. well, you know, this really, God really saved me, blah, 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 and meanwhile, you've had people that have been waiting for justice for, you know, centuries. Yeah. Uh, but again, time isn't the same. It's yeah. It's just my finite mind. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yes, don't you dare. <laughs> well, and, and one thing, just for, for, for all of us to put rest in that, it will be perfect and probably much better than we imagine, even if we have a very positive view of final judgment for ourselves. It will be perfect. You know, it's like the, the team that wins a national championship in whatever sport, who's been through lots of trials that season. Someone on the team died or, you know, just whatever's been going on, um, that then that's the sweeter championship because it wasn't just like everything went their way. That's not a real sweet championship. It's still great, but, but you know, really, really great. And so final judgment will be that. And that's what for believers. And that's why Paul refers to Christians as those who long for his appearing. We're looking forward to his appearing, not like, oh man. <laughs> like that and so so we look forward to we look forward to our death we look forward to our for his appearing um because it will be so good for us and better than we're thinking but yeah. time will have been suspended so we won't be no feeling the pressure of time you know waiting in line but no. also when people die it says their life passes and no i mean god is not timeless Okay. That's a Greek idea that scripture never affirms. God is not timeless. So give me a verse that God's timeless. I know. Okay, so here's so here, so here's the deal. So I, I don't want you to have a Greek view of time. Time is this. It's not seconds on a clock. That's how we conceive of time. We conceive of time of a minute hand moving. And so because of that, we think time is its own God and that God can't stop it. But then we say, oh, but God's almighty. So God can stop the clock. He can pull that thing off the wall and pull the battery out. See, God can stop it. And then God can do all these things like Clark Kent, right? You watch Smallville, you know, and, and 
they, sometimes they show they're the coolest scenes in Smallville. The Smallville's the story of, of, of Clark Kent when he's growing up, um, is on the WB, really great series. But uh, um, sometimes they show what things are like when he's going super speed and that everybody's just like this and he's going around and he runs around to the front of somebody takes their takes their you know their pencil out of their hand goes back to where he's sitting gets a pen puts the pen in his hand goes back to where he's sitting and then they show regular time again okay that's not what god is doing time is merely the um the succession event of events time in its most basic form is just saying before during and after okay so there was a before Sunday school starting. Now, if you go into a timeless idea, Greek timeless mode, and say God's doing something outside of time, God is doing things, and there's a before, during, and after of his doing that. So if you say wrongly that God is timeless, but that he sent his Holy Spirit to regenerate your soul, you know, at the end of December 1980, like he did for me, then there's a before, during, and after of that act of God where he sends his spirit to regenerate my soul. And then there's time markers around God. Now, time is not a God. Time is merely us saying before, during, and after. And the reason we use a clock is so we can say 59 minutes before or two minutes after, or right at that time. Okay, so those you like to, you know, so that that kind of thing on, so just understand, scripture says God is eternal. That means he's always existed, and he's always been doing things. He's never been frozen. Okay, so there's always a before, during, and after of every act of God. There's a before, during, and after of his um, separating the waters from the waters, of his... Uh, creating the animals and and men. There's a before, during, and after, um, and that's that's what we call time. Uh, it's just with a clock, we say, okay, there's a before, during, and after of 10, 16, and 40 seconds, and we just use a clock to mark a specific point where we can say, you know, was that before we started Sunday school or after Sunday school was over? Or when was Sunday school over? Okay. So if a day is like a thousand years to God, is it just that we have a different concept of time than He does? Um, no. So it's 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 still it's still in that time framework there. Try to just try um, let that sink in for a little, little while there. Um, but the the idea of a concept of time, if if we mean by that. Um, that God has always been around, and that's way more time than we've been around for, then yeah, God's perspective on events that have happened is way, is way different. Just like when you're talking to um, uh, a kid who's in junior high whose girlfriend has just broken up with him, he thinks his world is going to collapse. But someone who's 40 years old and had four girlfriends break up with him, he knows life will go on. So he's like, yeah, you'll get over this because he has a broader view of time, um, a broader view of you know how things work and events in the world and that kind of thing. So 
but I kind of cut off your question, so go ahead. No, I feel like I'm bogging this down. We were on number one there, and I apologize, <laughs> but you have a tendency to throw things out that make my head go. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, well, let's let's go ahead. So um, let's try to remember this. So we've talked about two things that happened at sec at the second coming. What were those two things we mentioned this morning? Bodily resurrection. Bodily resurrection and final judgment. So we'll pick up the, we'll pick up from there uh, next next week. Bodily resurrection, final judgment, and and we'll talk about other things that happened at the second coming, and then we'll start looking at some scripture that talks about talks about those things. Great questions. Good good discussion um, here, and that's always uh, that's always good and. Uh, um, let's pray.